This episode of That's What G Said podcast is brought to you by Sarah Candle Company. SarahCandles.com is the website, C-E-R-A Candles.com. They have a deal right now for a Valentine's Day box. For $20, you get to pick two of these three scents. They'll box it all up, wrap it up nicely for you. You can pick either Fresh Roses, Tuxedo, or Date Night. You pick two of those three. They put it in the box. Use the promo code GINO, G-I-N-O. They'll get you 10% off of your purchase. These are affordable. They are perfect for a significant other. It's just 20 bucks if you need it, you need it for your, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your wife, your husband, uh, brother, sister, family member, aunt, uncle. It's something that's cool for like a boss um, or uh, work. You know, everybody loves a candle, work friend, any friends at all. 20 bucks, nice gesture. You're supporting a small business here. Friend of the, the podcast, Tyler Herringer over at Sarah Candle Company. On this episode of That's What G Said, we're going to talk trade rumors in the NBA. We're going to talk about a big Dodger trade rumor. We're going to recap the Super Bowl, and then it's going to be Sam Houston Wednesday. We're going to focus in on the racing card over at Sam Houston, and then we'll close things out with some three-year-olds in the world of horse racing. We're going to talk Kentucky Derby. We're going to look at some of the, the, the top 25, 30, what their plans are moving forward, and what the preps look like coming up the next few weeks. Kick back and enjoy this episode of That's What G Said. February 4th, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. It is day one. So so sad of uh, my girlfriend Stephanie having to go back to work. Milo is now 12 weeks old today. So she had to go back to work. And so, you know, for me, I record shows um, for this podcast and then for uh, the Mike Abadir show. And I just record them from home with my equipment. So it's uh, Papa G at home with Milo and Grandma and Nanu helping out. I'm over at uh, my mom and dad's right now. They're keeping an eye on him while uh, I record this. But so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be like this for a while. So it's it's sad. I, I wish uh, Stephanie didn't have to go back to work. So you know what? All you guys have to do is just keep subscribing to the show, downloading, sharing it with your friends, and then we just keep building. That's what G set up so much to where I can just say, Stephanie, you don't have to go to work anymore. We are good to go. So help us out. Help out the sponsors of That's What G Said. If you see Sarah Candles out there, Cindy Carava out there when you need uh, anything in the field of real estate. And we're going to be talking a lot about Sam Houston Racing too. So uh, treat our sponsors well, and it'll uh, it'll go a long way as uh, getting Stephanie back. We want to get her out of work soon so she can come spend uh, all the time. And, and I'll, I'll go. I'll work uh, I'll work harder and uh, and do an extra couple gigs or, or an extra couple shows if we need to. We're going to bounce around. These are my favorite type episodes where we get to talk a little bit of everything. So let's get right into it. Uh, lots of rumors in the NBA right now as far as the the trade deadline, which is coming up on Thursday. I'm recording this on February 4th, which is Tuesday. 
I'm just going to go through a bunch of the rumors that are out there right now and kind of talk them out. What makes this trade deadline a little bit interesting is that this feels just like a really wide-open NBA year, mainly because there's no dominant team. There's no returning champion like the Warriors dynasty was or like the Heat with LeBron and Wade or even like the Spurs were all those years or like the Lakers years back. There was just no team coming into this year that everybody knew was going to be awesome. People just expected the Clippers to be good, and they are, and they're one of the teams that deserve to win. But they're right now, I'd say there's at least five teams that probably feel like they can win the title and maybe even a little bit more because the East it feels like Milwaukee, and then if it's not Milwaukee, it feels like there could be five other teams, right? In the West, you still probably have four or five teams that feel like they can they can really win it all. And so, you know, a move here or there with all of these teams this year, they all have weaknesses, and nobody's strengths are so strong as to they're, they're invincible. Anybody can be beat. They're all beatable based on matchups, based on injuries, based on home, you know, home court or, or, uh, you know, just winning a game here and there. Like, I think that this is going to be a really fun playoff series because we just don't have that big bad team that feels like they're going to sweep through everyone. Okay, let's talk about some of the, the the rumors, right? I mean, you can literally go through almost every team, and they have been. Involved in some rumors The Clippers kicking the tires on potentially trading for Kevin Love So the Lakers and the Clippers are both looking to improve them themselves The Lakers need another point guard I guess it doesn't really have to be a point guard As much as they need another ball handler Right? So if it's a, it's a And they're looking for a wing that can play defense That can help them guard the likes of You know, the, the big scorers from other teams Kawhi's and the Paul Georges of the world The ones that they'll match up with You know, directly into the Western In the Western Conference And the Clippers, they need to get a little bit bigger And this is not like a knock on Well, for the Lakers, it is more of a knock, right? Like, Rondo's not good enough To be a backup guard right now And a facilitator, he's just a sieve on defense And you just can't, like, you don't get anything from him And... You know, Caruso's fine for a few minutes I think Bradley's more of a backup type guard I don't know if any of them are quite You know, the ones you you can close a game with And and then we we talked about that wing You know, the Lakers have been rumored for like Morris's, Covington um, Players like that So both of these teams, while they're very good They are looking to improve And then you just go down You start going down the list of like teams in the league And everybody is trying to improve, right? Now the rumors, Andre Iguodala said he won't play for Memphis and the Memphis young kids are coming after him. Uh, he's owed $17.2 million this year. And they said they're not going to buy him out, so they're looking to trade him. Is anybody going to give a whole ton for Iggy? Andre Drummond has been rumored to be up on the trade. Like the Clippers were rumored for him. Boston was rumored for him. They're kind of looking to, to get a big man too. Boston. Derrick Rose is another one. Morris. Both Morris's. Morris. Uh, both of the Morris twins are rumored to to go to maybe help a team. How about J. Ru Holiday? Drew Holiday. J.J. Redick. I just you know New Orleans isn't too far out of it. That's what with a lot of these teams, especially towards the bottom of the West, these teams are going to have to decide 
are they going for it or are they going to pack it in and, 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 you know, let's sell off what we have and maybe get a couple assets for years moving forward, get another pick, get a second rounder, or another late first rounder, whatever they can get. Aaron Baines from the Suns, Sacramento with uh, Bielitsa and Bogdanovich, Boston, they're looking just to make a move in general. They want to try to get at least another big somewhere. Um, the Wizards were reportedly looking to upgrade because they want to try to keep Bradley Beal happy. They're a team that you would think would, would maybe be selling. Miami, you know, there are lots of different th- talks about Miami trying to make a move. Uh, Philly, they've been struggling. Robert Covington's the name that's been coming up over and over and over again because he's a really good 3 and D type player, and so he can fit in on really any team. The problem with someone like Covington, though, is it's tough to really match. Like For a team like the Lakers, they can't really match salaries very well to get someone like him who makes $12 million. And that's one of the big issues that the Lakers have is that I don't think they're going to really trade anyone, and, and now there's some rumors coming up about the Knicks being interested in Kuzma. I don't know how much they're going to be able to, to make a trade because salaries aren't going to be able to match very well for the Lakers. Any trade that they have that's involving Kuzma, he does not make much money at all. He, he makes $2 million. They're going to have to really throw at least two other players into the mix, maybe three other players, and then you're, look, you're going to talk to the Lakers. And even if it's guys that don't play towards the end of their bench, Cook, Daniels, whoever it may be, do you want to trade three or four members of a first-place team that has really good chemistry? Even if you don't think the Lakers are going to have an opportunity to win it all if you think that they were not going to be good enough or for whatever reason, this team really likes each other. They have good chemistry, and they really went through uh, something real tough right now with the, the passing of Kobe. I don't know if changing a locker room, bringing in two new players, shipping out four players is always going to be the best thing to do. Maybe some small upgrades here and there. I'd love to add a Collison, maybe one other buyout. But I just don't know if if you want to make that kind of you know personnel movements on a team that really seems to like each other. Um, you know, the Bulls, Levine, there are rumors. Denzel Washington is someone that I think is going to be moved. With the Knicks, we're talking about Portis and Morris. The Cavs, Kevin Love. Uh, Denver... Can they make a move and upgrade? And if they do, is uh, Michael Porter Jr. going to be, you know, uh, off limits? Houston reportedly trying to get uh, Shop Capella. Dallas just made a move. Uh, Oklahoma City, they're interesting because they're just much better than they were supposed to be. Everybody assumed that they'd be trying to get rid of Chris Paul at this time. But, you know, there are the rumors about Adams and Gallinari. I don't know why they would make really any moves. They've, they're just a, a fun team. Why not do you know take a shot with what you've got with the, with the team that's overachieved and see if maybe you can upset and win a series or two? And then the Warriors, the D'Angelo Russell, kind of all over uh, the trade rumors. Let's see anything else just coming up. Wolves are trying to orchestrate a multi-team t- uh, trade with Houston and Atlanta, ultimately to land D'Lo. That would put Robert Covington to Houston, Clint Capella to Atlanta, and multiple picks and expiring contacts to Minnesota to pursue, uh, to pursue D'Lo. Uh, Celtics reportedly have interest in Dave Bertrands, uh, Bertans, Miami Heat as a potential suitor for Iguodala. Gary Harris is available from Denver. Darren Collison will make his decision on returning uh, after the All-Star break. Tristan Thompson wants him, his camp wants him traded. Oh, he could be someone like for the Clippers, like a big. Yeah, he'll help you rebound a little bit. Not sure if he, defensively like, how much he'll help you, but rebounding and hustle, 
Um, the, the only problem to you, same thing with like the Clippers. Like you have a good team that really hasn't been able to, um, you know, gel because who's been in and out of the lineup. Are you gonna want to make a move that will, you know, have Trez not on the floor as much? I don't know. Like I think the the, the thing about the like teams like the Clippers and the Lakers, who or or you know whoever you are. Some some things that are kind of your weakness are also your strength in a weird way, right? Like for the Lakers, they don't have as many wings, but their their size is what's what's great. So I don't want the Lakers to give up, you know, any one of, you know, obviously AD or Dwight or Javale, because it's nice to be able to kind of have bigs and be able to go big and to just kind of have that as a little bit different, especially because you know LeBron's going to be on the court and then you have Kuzma in there sometimes and you can kind of go big with your guards even. If you get Avery Bradley in there, Danny Green sometimes, Caruso. So you can go really big. KCP, you know, they uh, that's a strength of them. And then something for the Clippers, like, you're really switchy, and your team is built pretty well. The only way, you know, the Clippers could get beat is maybe against a team that just has a little bit a little, bit, a little bit more size than them, but they're going to want to try to stretch them out anyways and just throw wings at them and, you know, and, and try to beat them with their guards and their wings. So we'll see. 76ers, Grizzlies, possible landing spots for Denzel Washington. Um, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun rumors. So we will uh, we'll keep monitoring these and uh, we'll talk about any of the trades that happen on um, on our next episode, which will be late Thursday or early uh, Friday. Now there's stuff at Wiggins. Now Wiggins is reportedly um, four-team, seven-player trade involving Covington, Wiggins, Russell, Capella, Looney, Nene, and Evan Turner. Uh, Wiggins maybe to Golden State. Eh, I mean, I don't know. That's what's fun. it's funny when there's just so many rumors out there. So, well, uh, it's fun to speculate, but none of this is is official, and we'll have we'll be able to report it all come uh, late Thursday, Friday, once the uh, uh, the trade deadline. Let's move into trade rumors for another sport. And a Dodger fan here, so we're going to talk about a big rumor that's been out there: Mookie Betts going to be traded from the Red Sox. He just has one year left. And uh, he has one year the, uh, contract, and they just don't want to sign him to a long term deal. And and if it, they they make a move with the Dodgers, the Dodgers would be reportedly taking uh or very or interested in taking David Price and some of the salary, and, and that could be a nice uh and they could be nice trade partners. So the deals would include. I mean, the Do- the it's hard to say because the Dodgers just have a ton to give. And so if Boston wanted something, the Dodgers would have the best opportunity to give it because they have ready-made Major League talent and they have really good prospects to pull from. So what's interesting about this is I'm reading you know, a Fangraphs article and it talks about how the Dodgers had the best rotation in terms of ERA last year in... Um, this this year coming in, they would pro- be projected again without making any moves to be really good. They would be projected with a combination of Kershaw, Bueller, Urias, Maeda, Wood, 
Dustin May, Ross Stripling, Jimmy Nelson, Tony Gonsolin, that would be projected to rank fifth in the majors based on the projections uh, for fan graphs. So <laughs> that would be projected to be fifth based on the projections, right? Yeah, <laughs> really. And so the Dodgers have like have pitching. They're they're set up. They just they just feel like they need a little more. I think I, I would really like this trade. Uh, and, and I think if you're Boston and you're kind of already at the point where it feels like you're gonna you're gonna get Mookie, you're gonna give Mookie up. You might as well get something back. And the Dodgers have a lot to give. They have a lot to give. So wow, baseball season is really coming soon. It is. Um, things that I would be willing to trade if I were the Dodgers. Because remember, you're only getting Mookie for sure for a year, and then you have David Price. I was reading it would be something along the lines of built around Verdugo. Uh, Boston likes Alex Verdugo. That's fine. I like Verdugo. I think he's good. But if you're getting Mookie back for a year, and you know you have you have a really nice pieces out there, the Dodgers didn't do much because they just again they didn't have to do much, right? feel like just add, just add a little bit continue to add to the bullpen continue to just add pieces that you can but I don't I don't want to subtract the whole ton and if you're if you're okay with giving up with some prospects because you have a lot of young major league talent right now that's going to be around for a while Yeah, when you hear like Ken Rosenthal and Buster Olney, they said this trade will happen. Like Mookie Betts is getting traded. It's just a matter of to the Dodgers or to the Padres. It looks like one of those two teams. So come on, Dodgers. You got to go all in right now. You go in right now. Get another pitcher because, man, you look, if you add David Price to that group of pitchers, and maybe Maeda's not in there, or maybe one of them goes out in the trade. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't be Kershaw. It wouldn't be uh, Bueller. It wouldn't be May. If so, right there, you have three. You know, you, you you're looking at Price not having to have a lot of pressure on him. He's like you know, like a number four starter, and you're coming out to the National League versus the American League East. I mean, it'd be just a different story. I would really like to give him a shot. Okay, let's take a little commercial break, and then uh, when we return, we'll recap the Super Bowl. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, The market has has been uh, really good. Um, We're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, 
it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Really good Super Bowl, and uh, it was it was a fun back and forth game, right? It was an entertaining game, and a game where we actually did pretty well with some of our prop bets. You can go back and listen to some of the the props that we have, and I'll kind of mention ones as we go through them. But we did really well. One of the ones that we had was uh, Mahomes at fourteen to one to score the first touchdown, which was excellent. We had San Francisco to score first. We had the team that uh, scored first did not win the game. Um, we lost on a couple of the other of the uh, to score first touchdowns, but what was great is they were all you know like five to one, uh, twelve to one. I think they were eighth one, twelve to one, and fourteen to one. So we hit with our longest one with Mahomes. We um, lost on would there be a, a defensive or special teams touchdown? We hit the over on Tyreek Hill receiving yards. We had the under on would there be a field goal uh, over forty eight and a half yards? Nailed that one. We had um, Jimmy G under on the completions, which was 21, and that landed at 20. So a really good uh, – there are maybe one or two more that we uh, that we had and maybe one or two more that we missed. But if you go back, you can uh, hear. And so that ended a really nice football season where we ended positive. We were uh, over 500 with our totals and like 52 – just not too far under over 500, 52 and 49. But what was great is – we had a, a lot of money lines, and then if you include the props in there, where uh, when I say money lines, we one way we play is positive money lines. I'm never like giving uh, playing a team based on the money line and, and and you know giving minus 150, minus 200, anything like that. So uh, always looking to get the best value possible. Let's get through this game and talk about what happened. At one point. San Francisco's up 10 in the fourth quarter. They had a 95.6% probability, win probability in that game. The huge play was that big third and 15. We'll kind of get through it as we recap the game. But to, to me, the real key was Chiefs ran 75 plays. 49ers ran 54. And the Chiefs scored 21 points in the final six minutes and 13 seconds of the game. 
Kansas City trailed by double digits in all three of their playoff games. They come back to win this game. Final score, I mentioned again, 31-20. It was much closer than that. If you look at the game and go, ah, it wasn't close. It was very, very close all the way through. The 49ers got up 3-0 after taking a long 5-plus minute drive and then kicking a field goal. Then Kansas City goes 7-plus minutes for for a touchdown on a Mahomes run. It was a 15-play drive. And then it looked like Kansas City had all the momentum because Jimmy G throws an interception. But KC can only get a field goal off of that So now they're up 10-3 to And then the 49ers come right back with a really strong response Touchdown drive They tie it up at 10-10 And then right before the half there was a little controversy Because San Francisco Was going to get the ball back To end the half And they were going to get the ball back To start the second half So instead of calling a timeout And taking their best opportunity To score some points To end the first half they don't call any timeouts They let a ton of time tick off the clock And They Then on the third down They accidentally pick up 20 yards And then they're kind of caught in between Then they end up calling a timeout And There's a terrible Offensive pass interference call that ends up costing them at least three points If they would have had a little bit more time They would have had many opportunities To move the ball And they moved the ball really well in this game This wasn't like They ran the ball really well This was just an instance of You know, Kansas City Got the ball at the right time They capitalized when they needed to And it was like a little cat and mouse You know, they kicked uh, The 49ers were content kicking a couple field goals Whereas Kansas City Um Ended up turning their scores into touchdowns Yeah, they're really bad offensive pass interference call though That cost San Francisco at least 3 points it w- They completed a 42-yard pass to Kittle Down to the Kansas City 13 And with 6 seconds left They would have maybe been able to take one shot Or just even kick a field goal You get an extra 3 Instead They have to kneel with 6 seconds left Um you know, they had let the clock run all the way down to 26 seconds before that big third, you know, third down play. And then they're just kind of caught in between. For a really good coach, I thought this was, you know, obviously really poor clock management. But, you know, Shanahan said after the game that they didn't want to give Mahomes time if they were, you know, were to go three and out quickly. That's understandable. But I just, you know, you're looking at the scoreboard and you're going, okay, it's 10 10 here. You think we're going to really be able to hold this team to 20? You know, or 24 And it was, you know, they held them to 31 But I just, you feel like when you're playing Kansas City You have to keep scoring And it's tough to be critical on Shanahan, right? Because he was so good all this year He he gets them here, he beats up on everybody else But he did, I think, have a couple mistakes in this game That might have hurt San Francisco in a really close game I think it's fair to say that And, you know, even the best have really, you know uh, have games where they just have mistakes And the Super Bowl brings it out of you So San Francisco kicks a field goal to start the second half They're up 13-10 to 10. And then Mahomes throws back-to-back interceptions And all of a sudden it looks like this game is, is over San Francisco scores a touchdown following the first interception They're up 20-10 to 10. And then the second interception comes with 11.57 left to go in the game San Francisco gets a first down They take 3 plus Just over 3 minutes off the clock Then they punt With uh, 7.13 left There's a 3rd and 15 From Kansas City's own 35 
and this is the play that you see, and this is the play, kind of the reason why Mahomes ended up winning the MVP. Crazy pass where he drops back to scramble around, 44-yard pass. This went, and he dropped back like 10-plus yards, so this was like a 55-60-yard to 60 yard pass, really, from where he threw it. And and then one minute later, Kansas City scores a touchdown. They cut it to 20-17 to 17 just so quickly that 20-10 to 10 felt like 100 points, and then you get to 20-17, to 17 and you could almost tell that Okay, now all the pressure in the world is on the 49ers here. Because, you know, if they don't score, this Kansas City Chiefs team is going to score. And sure enough, one minute later, you know, Kansas City... Okay, so Kansas City's touchdown is at 6-13. San Francisco goes three and out. Casey gets the ball back with five minutes and ten seconds left. And here's what their plays were. They picked up five, five yards, nine yards, three yards, 38 yards, six yards... A sack, and then they scored a touchdown. And now they're up. And San, and, and they, they put San Francisco in a situation where they have to score a touchdown. Now you're down four. So San Francisco gets the ball with 244 left. They get to midfield, fourth and ten, they get sacked. And the real big play was on third and ten when Jimmy G overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. It would have been a touchdown. He just missed him. He just overthrew him. And Emmanuel Sanders had the defense beat. And you know, we... Like that's why, as a 49ers fan or someone who bet the 49ers or back them, you know you're up by ten, late like midway through the fourth quarter. Your defense has been your calling card all year. You've been able to just run the ball and suck the life out of games and just um, dominate on the ground. And unfortunately, just like it all went bad in in a half of a quarter. And your coaching, your coaching was excellent. And you, you, it's like so all the things that were your strength you just could not lean on or you could not get to. And there were just one or two plays, like that third and 15 play. If Mahomes doesn't make that play, I don't think they win. And we now, you know, saw a game where Mahomes didn't even really play that well. He was 26 for 42, he had 268 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He had two fumbles. He actually recovered both of them. He was real jittery early on. He skipped a few passes. He was really short, and he just was not great through three, and then he was awesome in the fourth. Hill had nine receptions for 105 yards. Watkins had five receptions for 96 yards. Kelsey had six receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown. And then you look over at San Francisco, and... Jimmy G was 20 for 31. He had 219 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. And he, Kent, uh, Bourne was their leading receiver with 42 yards. Juszczyk had a touchdown, and he actually was good with his three receptions for 39 yards. Debo Samuel only had five receptions for 39 yards, but he did run the ball a few times. He had three carries for 53 yards, so he was good and, and elusive. Manuel Sanders, three receptions for 38 yards. Kittle, four receptions for 36. They spread it around, but nobody was really great or dominant or able to break anything. Even Mostert. Like, you look, they ran the ball really well. Mostert had 12 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Debo ran the ball three times for 53 yards. And Tevin Coleman, five carries for 28 yards. They just didn't continue to run. And they, it was just one of those weird games where it was like things happened at the right time. That You look at the stats, they were pretty even just like comparing the team stats. And then at the end of the game, Damian Williams breaks that 38-yard Touchdown to put Kansas City up 31-20 I thought he was the MVP He had 17 carries, 148, 104 yards and a touchdown And he had 4 receptions for 29 yards and a touchdown Congratulations to Kansas City San Francisco That's a tough loss, but a great season for a, a team who 
soared past their projections, a team that I was dead wrong on all year. One of our listeners, Stan Ware, Stan, bummer for you that, that, that they lost. I'm sure you were pumped when they were up there playing so well early, but they lost to a good team. Young team. You should be back. It's hard in the NFL to get back. We saw with the, the Rams this year, you, you, you thought they would have a little bit better year, but what's nice about San Francisco is their defense feels like even if offensively maybe they regress a little bit or they're not quite as efficient, I feel like their defense is going to just be very good for the next few years, and it's going to keep them in a lot of games. Um, so, 49ers fans, I'm sure you have a, a lot to be excited about moving forward. Let's start talking a little horse racing. Let's get over to uh, to Sam Houston, and let's break down the Sam Houston racing for February the 5th for Wednesday. Horse racing fans and bettors of all kinds, we are very excited to be covering the races from Sam Houston Race Park here on That's What G Said on each and every episode. They're broadcasting in HD, they have bigger purses, turf racing over there, but for me, the key is that 12% low takeout on their multi-leg wagers. Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. They are building a great program over there. It truly is major league racing. We have to give a big applause to the TTA, the Texas Thoroughbred Association. They've added new incentives and bonus programs for buying and selling horses, so it's better for the customers and it's better for the horsemen in Texas. Their social media presence has been bumped up. You can follow them at SHRP Racing on Twitter and you're going to find morning training videos, the Monday Minute, jockey interviews, or if you're not on Twitter, you can find all the information at SHRP.com. They're just working so hard to treat their horsemen and women and the betters right, so let's give them a little bit of our focus. A couple big days coming up. February the 22nd is Texas Preview Day, and the big day, March the 21st, that is Texas Champions Day. We'll be covering all of that action here on That's What G Said with all sorts of different interviews focusing in on Sam Houston. Make sure when you go to play the races, give Sam Houston a look with that ultra-low 12% takeout in the multi-leg wagers. Get your past performances out Wednesday, February the 5th, Sam Houston. I really like this Wednesday card. Let's get right into race number one at Sam Houston. Maidens, $50,000 claimers. They're going to go five furlongs on the turf course. And I'm going to use a few in here, but we'll kind of go inside to outside. I thought the one Nomo Hooch uh, has a long shot, a little bit interesting. Blinkers come off. This one actually does have a little speed. So from the rail, they're going to send hard. And... He's coming out of a race where there were three next out winners. The runner-up won a maiden special weight at Sam Houston. The third-place finisher won a maiden 10 over at Delta. And the fourth-place finisher won a maiden 5 at Sam Houston. This is the first time on the turf gelding. And there are three winning turf sibs that are combined uh, 9 for 68 on the turf. Not bad. The rail draw is a concern, but you're going to get a little bit of a price in here. I think this one can sneak into your exotics. I'm going to use... uh, in the early pick five, which starts in, in race number one, and in race number or in, in race number one, the, the deuce riding the t- uh, the train will check step on the grass again. One of two sibs, one on the turf. They've only raced once on the grass, and it was against Maiden Specials over at Canterbury, and it was a while back. The three auto parts has not raced since December of 2018. I just feel like this guy has to need a race. For some of his best. The four expect the cat. First time on the turf. The Sibs are combined uh, 0 for 12 on the green. 
Uh, did face winners last time out over at Sunland. I'm going to kind of go elsewhere. I like the five in here. Rubber Bandman. Blinkers on. Two sibs the race. One of them won on the turf. In his debut, he went... Six furlongs on the main at Remington against uh, Oklahoma bred maiden special weights. And he broke pretty well. He settled mid-pack. He was five off, and then he was two, three deep. He made a nice middle move up to third before he tired. He ran pretty well in spots. I, th- I think this guy has a little bit of talent. So I'm going to put him on top in here, the, uh, the five. The six of the first-time starter. The dam was a seven-time winner, but uh, over two on the turf. Six sibs racing combined uh, 12 for 72, but none of them won on the grass. Zero. They've actually never started on the grass. And then the number seven, he's wide open. Four siblings, they all won, but just one of them won on the grass. The eight's the two to five favorite on the morning line. You don't see two to five all too often. Uh, look at who he faced in his first couple starts. Nick's go. That's a grade one winner, and Nick Skull was also second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and then Everfast, who was second in the Holy Bowl, but we know him as the the horse who was actually second in the Preakness. World was third against Maiden Specials last time out, and it was his first start. He hadn't raced since September of 2018, so he had to need the start, and it was in the slop. So now he's going to go second start off the long layoff, but he hasn't had any turf success. His only try on the grass was not great, the, the problem is, it was at Kentucky, and it was the race that sent him to the layoff, so you can probably make a, an excuse for it. He was actually favorite that day. Uh, in his most recent start, in his comeback race, he was up to second. He pressed from a couple lengths off. He was in the slop. He was all in early. He came on again late to win a, a photo for third. It was, you know, he, he towers over this field as far as, like, class and 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 what should be talent. I think the five's got some ability, so I'll put the five. I'll use the five with the eight. We'll use the one, two, uh, between uh, the three of them. I think the way you you probably play this race is you maybe play two different approaches in a pick five, and maybe you play one where you just single the eight and you go deep in the other races, and then maybe you play one where you use uh, you either chuck the eight out or depending on depending on the way you play the other races. If you're chalky in the other races, then you know you play one where you chuck the eight out. Or you use the eight and you kind of shorten up in some spots. I would go uh, one five eight. This is the problem is is I don't know if this is a a favorite that I'd be willing to chuck out. And it's just at, at such a short price, you generally want a single. So I'd probably play one where we single the eight, and then another one where we use the one five and the eight. And the five might be worthy of uh of some win money as we you know we check odds. If he's around double digit odds, uh, he could sneak into a, a horse that I play for for win. And no mo hooch. To round out some of the exotics there, so f- we'll use a uh, th- five and eight with the one, and, and you know eight and five with one, and, and different spots like that. Let's move on to race number two, and uh, we we start with the one eyes on red, who's still an all winners of three, so kind of looks like a long shot in here. The two Royal Reality broke well. Uh, he went right to the lead. He went to battle from the two path with the four to five favorite. Call me Richard, who ended up winning that race. He just hasn't shown m- much in his last couple barns now. You know, changing barns a few times, and he just he has speed. That's what's nice. So he, he'll get in the mix, but there's other speed in here, and that's what concerns me. The three cat second silver. The barn's a little cold right now. Good barn, just uh, struggling. They're 0 for their last 28, and uh, this particular runner is 0 for his last 10. He's 0 for 12 at the distance, but he's really in a much softer spot, and he 
fits really well in here because he has the type of running style where he should sit just off the pace. Last out, he broke really well. He sat fourth, fifth. He was too deep. He was four off. He was four wide, eh, making a big bit at the top of the lane. He just got a little bit flat late. Like That same exact effort would win this race. The four, uh, hold my gold back. He hasn't really been close in his last nine starts, and a lot of them are against softer, so he does look like a big long shot in here. I love the five grand bling. I'm going to make him my top selection in this spot. Last out, he hopped at the start, but he recovered pretty well, and he was pressing not far off, but he was wide. He was like three, four wide. He came up with on even terms at the top of the lane, and he, he went to the lead, but he just really couldn't sustain that rally. I thought it was a very solid effort, and I expect a big performance for him the second time for the new connections. He likes this racetrack. He's run well here in all three starts. Let's put the number five on top here, Grand Bling. We'll make a win wager if we can get anything like seven to two, and let's use him in all of our exotics. The six Little Avenger, really fast, but he's pretty one-dimensional. I don't know if he can sit. There were two next out winners from his last start. The third finisher won a twenty-five non-three at Sam Houston. The fifth finisher won a twenty-thousand-dollar non-three uh, next out at Delta. Little Avenger broke on top, but five others flashed speed, and they lined up across the racetrack. And then he ends up packing it in early. So it, he had an excuse, but will he be able to clear the field and not have to deal with other pressure in here? It looks like there's a, a pretty good amount of other speed. Wally Peabody will go second start off the bench. If you toss the turf race, uh, the turf races, his form looks a little bit better. It was a good start last out. He was close up inside. He was just behind the top two. He got shuffled back a little bit. He looked like he was done, but then he angled out and he came on again. It was a weird trip. He could get a nice setup in here, and and, and this race might be able to kind of fa- he might be able to kind of fall into the, a, a good trip, and then bold bulldog. To round things out Going to go second off the bench He was outrun a little bit early He was four off He was four wide He was always in the clear He just kind of Got up in his last stride To beat the one to five favorite You could do worse than throwing him in I wouldn't really talk you off him But I have five, three, six, seven In here And the five and three Are the two that I'm going to try to build Most of, most of the exotics around If you want to throw in Little Avenger, sure But at a short price I'm I'm fine with chucking him out I would, I'd actually rather throw in the seven at a little bit of a price, you know. But I think the six will probably be tough to keep out of your, you know, exacta try supers or your, you know, your top three or your top four. But just as far as the win on the win end is concerned, if you're playing, you know, a pick four here or pick five, you just can't play the heavy chalk in every race. There has to be one or two of the races where you just take a stand and say, okay, this is the race where I don't like the favorite as much and I can try to beat them because it's not worth playing um, tickets that. You know, could it end up chalking out and you could end up, you know, not even getting your investment back depending on how big of a ticket you play. So unless you're going to play really short and just kind of play the chalk all the way through a certain card that you like, but that's never that's never really fun, right? That's, the point is try to get the best value that we can and we'll try to find the most vulnerable favorites and, and play against them. And this might be one because he feels a little one-dimensional, little Avenger. Like if he doesn't break alertly and get a lead or if a couple others go quick with him, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to kind of dig down and, and shrug everyone off. I'm going to try to quicken things up here. This could be this would be a really long segment if we don't. Uh, race number three, maiden 15s claimers. They're going a mile in here. Yeah, this is a 
this is a fun one too, right? Like, I legitimately go through, and you can make a case for most in here. The one Wits Hurricane, who's getting a big drop, he's kind of searching for where he fits, right? He was just outrun, he was last into the turn, he was double-digit lengths off, but he kept to the inside, he moved in between horses in the stretch. He was okay late, but the lack of speed hurts him a little bit. I do like the two Rebel Rumble. He settled inside in his most recent start. He was five off, but he was... uh, Eighth, ninth, he was you know behind a wall of horses. He was in tight. He lost some ground, but he kept to the inside, and he made up some ground late. And he never really had a shot to run because he was always kind of in a tight spot. He just didn't get an opportunity to really stretch his legs. But he was big on the gallop out. He drops. Now he stretches out. We're gonna put the number two Rebel Rumble on top in here. Looks like the three is a little bit of a long shot. He just hasn't shown much in his three starts and. Those were against Texas Breads, now in, in against Open Company. I like Punch Out. I'm going to put Punch Out here in the second spot. Most recently, he was forced out at the start. He was six. He was five off. That was going six and a half furlongs. He moved off the rail to take a to take a shot, but the top two had already slipped away, and he was a clear cut third that day. I think this will be more like that uh, November 20th race when he was forwardly placed from the outside. He was third. He was just a couple lengths off. The winner that day, though, Foxy Ace. Just got away early and uh, they really just couldn't keep up with him late. And nobody really challenged that one. So I do like the fact that Punch Out that day kind of moved through into second and at least took a little bit of a shot at the at the eventual winner. So Punch Out will have in uh, the second spot. I do think the five Rama is a horse to use on the drop for Steve Asmussen. The debut, you know, is favored. And he completely missed the break He was 11th of 12, he was 8-9 off Then he angled outside and he made up some ground It it really wasn't bad, he just was never in contention Lost to a horse who was dropping in for a tag for the first time I'll take a shot against Wilkie G in here Who's dropping in with claimers His last start was okay He was 6th, 7th, 8th But he was just 4 or 5 off He was in between horses It was against better The 4th place finisher won next out against Maiden Special Weight So yeah, it was a tougher group But I don't know He doesn't have a whole lot of speed He's going to go 2 sprints to a route Stretches out So maybe he sits a little closer His figures wise Like he looks like a standout But I, I just I'd like a couple others in here with some upside And maybe this is the race where we get a little too greedy Trying to beat Wilkie G But I'm fine with taking a, a shot against him In some of the early exotics You know, I wouldn't talk you off either of the outside two horses I'd have to get You know, Midnight Revolt I'd have to go a little deep to get to But at a price He takes a big drop in class He stretches out This barn is coming off of a really nice 2019 And uh, to start 2020 They had a good start to this meeting They won three races in a row since then they were uh, they've been 0 for five, but all three of those wins did come with the same jockey aboard. This j- uh, trainer jockey combination with uh, Torres and uh, Valdez Jimenez is 63 for 260. Their last 261. If you go really big on their sample size, that's 24 percent and 54 percent in the money over a 260 horse sample size. That's unbelievable. These connections win a ton of races together. You round up the field, Alpine Empire, who had a slow start, was like 10-plus out of it, angled to the two-path, and then really started to roll, and kept to the middle of the track, flew late, and, and now you're getting some extra distance. I have this race 2-4-5-8. I'm going to put Rebel Rumble on top of Punch-Out, on top of Rama, uh, on top of Alpine Empire. Now, if you're playing exotics, the, the six probably hits the board in the tries and the supers, right? But the way that I'm handicapping and I'm talking is for 
the the rolling exotics like the pick threes, the pick fours, and the pick fives. I'm worth. I'm okay with taking shots against some of these short price horses in the win end. Let's go to race number four with uh, the one land and sea major player in here getting back to the turf. By far the best races have been on the grass. The lack of speed hurts a little bit, and the rail going five furlongs. You might get stuck in a bad spot, but you're going to go second off the bench. Should be set for a really good effort As long as she can work out a trip Covert Special, the two, has not raced since July 4th of 2017 Has to need a race Just Betty looks like a, A mare who might show a little speed She's shown some speed in her grass races She's been much better on the grass But I I just, I like others a lot more in here Like the four Zip it up my sister Who's going to go second start off the bench Got the prep out of the way She's had many layoffs So it's a big plus whenever she's able to put two starts together She has some speed But she can pass horses I think she takes a nice step forward Returning to the grass in here Speedy but can sit Zip it up my sister The number 5 Miss Mir I need to see a little bit more from Uh, She's kind of a wild card coming into the Broberg barn And of course uh, You know toss any runners from that Hot barn at, at your own risk Miss B Looks like a pace factor She was 50-1 to 1 when she wired a field I'm going to make her prove it to me um, The 7 is a main track only So we'll just kind of act like that one's not in The 8 Temple Tower Looks like a long shot to me I thought the 9 Apollina you could throw into the mix And uh, the 10 Ayata So for me I had 4-1-9-10 In this one Um I, th- I think the one's gonna, you know, is probably the one to beat. And I think the four is really set up to run well in here. So four, one are the two that I really like. And then I will throw the, they're kind of on a tier above the, uh, the nine and the 10. Race number five is the end of that early pick five sequence, end of the early pick four que- sequence, start of the Space City pick six. Fun race. Just making cases for everyone Like the one clear advantage Was asked for some speed from the outside In in his debut He was 2-3 off, he was in 6 And then he looms up, he's right on even terms with the leaders He keeps trying hard all the way He has every right to take a nice step forward Just The concern is the inside draw But he seems like he has a little bit of versatility The way that he moved And uh, I think he has a little more speed If they want to try to use that to get out From the inside and then maybe secure a nice spot the two sporty flyer went right to the lead in between horses, and then he was at the rail. He battled all the way. He tired late, uh, but uh, he was just passed by Clear Advantage, who was second that that day. And the sporty flyer ended up finishing third on January the twenty second. Looks like reckless decision is a long shot. Uh, first time gelding at fifty to one. This has not shown much out on the racetrack. The four full trigger, one of the major contenders in here. He his first step in his debut wasn't fast, but then he, he recovered pretty well and he moved through nicely up to challenge at the top of the lane. He angled around. It was a good third. He has every right to take another step forward in here. He he figures right in contention with the with the top ones. But to me, he looks kind of like a few of the others. And I don't want him to be too short of a price Because this is a more wide open race Than than just full trigger and everyone else The first time starters Are the 5, 6, and 7 Can't really build cases for them The dam is unraced to the 5 
the three sibs, Daryl combined two for 81. Barno for 15 with first time starters. The six witch shortstop. The dam was a 10 time winner, earned 100,000. Two siblings for wit, uh, one winner. The connections are just one, or the trainer just one for 19 with the recent first time starters. And the seven paw salty pepper. The dam was two for nine, but this is the first full to race. Connections, trainer, just two for 23 with most recent first-time starters. The eight, he's a suitor. I'll make the slight top selection in here. He's in with Texas Bread now. His Delta debut was pretty good. He broke inward, but he got to the three-path into the turn. He was wide, then he's back to fourth, and then he went up to press. He kind of shifted around a little bit, but he ran in some spots, and he definitely showed some ability there. And that was against Open Maiden Special Weights. Now you're in with Texas Breads. Don't completely toss out Colonel Bowie, who's going to go first-time Diodoro. The 10 is Zipser. That's a first-time starter. The dam was in a race. That's the first full of the race. Barn was 0 for 7 with first-timers. The 11 two-step in Disco, I'm going to use in here. This guy flashed a little ability last year. You can excuse that effort in the slop last out. I think he can take a step forward in here. The 12 rocked the devil. I mean, it's tough to really excuse, uh, dismiss him. He had a good start. He was up to second to press, couple lengths off. Coming out of that very same race with the 13 Wildcats bling, who was outrun a little bit early, but they had to bit up the inside, and he ran in spots. As I mentioned, this is just a wide, wide open race. I'm not high on the first timer from the outside from a tough post, but this building, you know, building cases for everyone in here. I like the eight and one. As kind of my top two We'll uh, see who is the better price of those two And then I kind of have 8, 1, 11, and 4 As then the top tier and Then behind that I mean I go 12, 2, 13 Just a great early pick 5 sequence Because I, you see I feel like there are a couple favorites You can take shots against And there are a couple really wide open races Like, like race 5 I'm going to skip race number 6 because I, um, I'm i not playing anything in race number 6 myself So this is the start of the late pick 5 But I'm just going to play late pick 4 Because I'm going to play an early pick 5 and then a late pick 4 That's what's so great about the low takeout at Sam Houston I don't feel forced to have to play every pick 5 be- Just because it's a lower takeout wager I can play a pick 3 for the 12% takeout I can play a double if I just like a certain daily double sequence So if you're someone that doesn't want to play a pick 5 you know, just play a pick four or pick three in some of those early races there. I'll give you a couple of the the ways I approached it. Um, I mentioned I think you can you can maybe single the eight in the first race on one and then play another ticket where you go one five eight. Uh, so my early pick five would be like one five eight with three five with two four five eight with one four and then you know spread out in the last one two four eight eleven twelve thirteen. And you know if you single the eight in the first, then you can go even deeper if you'd like. It could be something like uh, single the eight with three five six seven with two four five eight with one four and then one two four eight eleven twelve thirteen. But again, don't feel forced to play a pick five. You could play a pick four, pick three if those are too big for your budgets. Daily doubles even with the low twelve percent takeout. Let's move to race number six. Or we're at number six, and we're gonna skip that one because I just this to me this is kind of just an obvious race. I, I couldn't get around two three four. So I'm looking at three horses that are probably going to be the A, B, C's And just not sure which to leave out uh, To me the two looked pretty tough So, you know, it's just, okay, let, let's skip it And let's play the, the late pick four instead So let's go to race seven 
And I'm going to go to the four in here, Betta Lake, whose lone turf try was a really good one. Just crushed a field, showed really good speed, and now comes back to the turf. And you look up and down, this this is not a group that has a ton of speed in here. I think she might be the one to catch, or I think he might be the one to catch, Betta Lake. So we're going to put the four on top. The six disinclined, comes wheels back pretty quickly. We played this guy uh, last week. He was hooked three deep. And for like the first half mile And then he was caught in between He was up to challenge But he was all in at the top of the lane After that tough trip And now he drops in with Texas Bread So I think he looks like the one to beat in here I'm going to also include the 10 Excalibur Ridge In the late pick 4 He's going to go second start off the bench Sneaky turf form Excalibur Ridge And then the 1 Cowboy Bling just really logical. His lone turf try was good. He's going to go second off the bench. He ran pretty well in his comeback race. Um, yeah, you know, Cowboy Bling. Plenty of things to like there. 4 6 10 1 in race number seven. And then we move to race number eight. And this to me is a, a race where I think you could single Madiba. This looks like the speed of the speed. Lost to next out winner Masterly Who was an allowance 5 winner Madiba has been good at this trip I remember Madiba back in Southern California When Madiba was a horse Who was like a really highly regarded 3 year old uh, Early on in his career And he has talent And he has some back class And he's faced better And now he's dropping in This is going to be one of the softer spots he's been in a while And I don't think anyone in here Is really as quick as he is so Madiba stretching out He should be really really tough for Broberg The speed of the speed in here I'll put the 5 on top of the 7 Excavation who I'll kind of treat as a wild card Who's going to go first off the claim Diodoro brought this one out here um, Who had last race in Southern Who had last race in California Golden Gate And then had raced in Southern California previously And Excavation Was competitive against uh, You know better claimers In California I wouldn't be shocked to see him perk up Second time over at Sam Houston A lot of times these horses we expect them to do so well First time again softer Or first time on a new circuit But it just takes a little while to get acclimated The 6 Uncle Wit Should be sitting close up Horse who's run really well at Sam Houston And His prep was okay Should uh, should improve second off the bench And then the 8 Unbroken song We'll include in the exotics there So we have uh, 5, 7, 6, 8 But I do think If you're playing late exotics The 5 Madiba would be a place that I that I would single And then I usually play 2 tickets I'd always single on 1 And then maybe play another small one Where I uh, I back up and, and use a couple of the other horses I'd like along with Madiba But for the, the bigger tickets Let's make Madiba the, the big single here In the late exotics Race number 9 I'm just going to use three in, in some exotics I, I The 10 is obviously the horse to beat Critical decision from the outside Big speed But there's there's other speed in here That's what concerns me a little bit And I think the 7 If just a repeat of the race she had last time out She from the rail had to come from off the pace Should really fit this race beautifully So we're going to go 7 with the 10 And then the 4 uh, Don't dismiss this 4 Who's dropping Second off the bench With Parker 
cutting back to five and a half furlongs, who has some speed. I'm just concerned that uh, Ricky's gift ends up battling with critical decision. So let's put the uh, the seven on top of the ten on top of the four. We'll use those three in your exotics. And then to close things out in race number ten, we will go to the nine, who I think is the quickest in here. Uh, Dreaming Tiger. Going to be third start of the year, third start off the bench. Should be set for for a really good effort after taking a, a little step back last time out when battling up front. But the key is... If she can clear with the outside, you know, I, I don't. She can sit a little bit, and and she can win if she sits. But I, I would so much like to rather see her try to get out front, sit hard, and see if they can clear this field. So I'll put the nine Dreaming Tiger on top of the four Rose Larue, who looks really tough in here. Just a repeat of that last effort, and the way this race shapes up with, you know, Dreaming Tiger. Dreaming Tiger, I, I'm hoping from a betting standpoint can get the lead, but then there are a bunch of other pressers, right? I think she's the quickest, but then once you get past her, I would be, you know, bad at love could be pressing a little bit. Who knows what we're going to get from Dreaming Silent off the long, long layoff. Aim spot shouldn't be too far out of it. Um, you know, there's just a lot of pressing type speed, but not like I need the lead speed, and that's where let's let's hope Dreaming Tiger gets a little aggressive here. So nine four. Rose LaRue second The 10 no relief in sight Should sit close from the outside Very logical coming in off of good efforts For Asmussen since coming into this barn And then the 5 Aim spot Aim spot just missed last out And That was against non-winners of 3 So Now and against the non-winners of 2 Seems like a logical contender to use So I have 9 4 10 Five, and we'll play late pick four something like this in the seventh race. One four six ten single the five with four seven ten with four five nine ten, and then maybe come back with another one uh, in race number seven where we go something like four six with five six seven eight with four seven ten with four five nine ten. Make sure a couple horses to include uh, probably the the better plays of the day for me come earlier in the card in race number two with the five. Grand Bling, and then in race number four, the number four, Zip It Up, My Sister. Remember, folks, all throughout February, all throughout March, every episode of That's What G Said, we're going to be covering a lot of horse racing, but we're going to have a segment on every episode where we cover some of the racing like Sam Houston, similar to how we did. Some days we'll spend, you know, this much time, some days we'll spend a little less. Sometimes we'll have interviews on with different trainers, um, track announcer there. Uh, Chris Griffin, we're going to talk with uh, Nick Tamaro who makes the morning line there Handicapper Andy Villanueva will have set up uh, Carl Broberg, trainer, will have set up So we're going to be focusing in on on Sam Houston a lot the next couple months I'm pumped because they're doing what we asked as horse players, right? They're making things better for us They uh, The takeout's lower, we get more of our money back They've gotten a big boost in purses And what do you do when you get a big boost? They build... Program, they they're broadcasting in HD. They're racing. The quality is just uh, of everything. The field size, um, it's really good. And so we're gonna give back. Sam Houston on Wednesday. Now let's talk a little Kentucky Derby Trail 
with some three-year-olds. So we're looking at the Kentucky Derby points list right now. And we'll go through the top like 20, 25, mention what their plans are coming up, and then we'll go through some of the probables for the uh, the recent or the upcoming races. So I'll try to do something like this uh, every Tuesday. Now, I think the this show will have a lot more of a set schedule now with most likely Tuesday and then late Thursday, Friday shows every week. Tuesday, we'll be able to kind of recap whatever happened the previous weekend. We'll do some Sam Houston Wednesday racing. We will, you know, touch base on whatever's going on in the world of the uh, the NBA, college basketball, and then the Thursday Friday show will be a preview for the weekend. We'll be able to preview all the weekend races. We'll cover Sam Houston Friday, Saturday, whatever big stakes races there are from anywhere else, and um, we'll preview, you know, college basketball games, big basketball games, whatever's happening that weekend. If there's a big fight or wrestling, anything going on. So number one. On the points list, you can find all this information at KentuckyDerby.com as far as the points. You're not going to be able to find like where everybody's going. A lot of this stuff I found on DRF, so you probably just can find it there through different uh, DRF articles. Storm the Court, pointing to the San Vicente, February the 9th. We'll be likely uh, running in that race against uh, Party Town, Azul Coast, and Ginobili. So the number one gun will be running in a race that has not worth Kentucky Derby points. For his first prep No qualifying points In the San Vicente Tis the Law who just won the Holy Bull Looks like they're going to be headed to the Louisiana Derby next They like the timing of that race And Florida Derby still on the back burner But most likely they'll be heading to the Louisiana Derby And I would say Tis the Law would To me Is the most deserving favorite right now From what I've seen from him Thousand words won the Bob Lewis. No concrete plans. Maybe the San Felipe, but Baffert's. This is what gets difficult with Baffert horses right around this time is he has a lot, and so they're going to start having to split up a little bit or run two and three against each other in a race, which he's been doing, you know, a little more recently. Authentic will be pointing to the San Felipe, so who knows what thousand words will do. Shotsky was your runner-up. In the Withers, a return trip Possibly for the Wood Memorial Maybe the Fountain of Youth Some options for number 4 Shotsky on the points list Number 5 on the points list is Enforceable Who won the LeCompte They'll be headed to the Risen Star Next, it looks like The, uh, the Risen Star is going to be a full field Because a new door Is going to be you know, Battling for favoritism A new door is number 6 on the points list and he's headed to the Risen Star next. Number seven on the points list, Shoplifted. Pointing to the Southwest also is Silver Prospector, who's number eight. We'll be uh, pointing to the Southwest. Number nine, Maxfield. He just started training again. Connections don't have any concrete plans for him. They're not going to push him too hard on anything. They're just going to, you know, take it day by day and uh, and and see because they don't know. And they don't want to say, okay, circle this date. We're going to plan on this prep. I think it's just it's like a day to day process with Max Field. Eight rings is not working recently. He was six in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He's currently number ten on the list for Baffert. But Baffert has a lot more intriguing prospects right now. It at least looks like than eight rings. Independence Hall will be pointed towards 
one of the two Derby prep races this weekend. I say two, only one of them is worth points, but there will be another that's an actually the San Vicente that's that is a prep because you're going to be seeing horses that come out of that race still pointing towards other three year old prep races. They're just not going to be able to get any points in this one. The yeah, Independence Hall will will be the favorite in the Sam F. Davis. Number twelve on the list is Dennis's moment. He's working. He's back uh, getting ready for the Fountain of Youth. Number thirteen, Gold Street. He won the Smarty Jones. He's headed to the Southwest next. Number fourteen is Authentic. He is pointing to the San Felipe. Number fifteen, Max Player. Who is pointing to the Wood Memorial He won the Withers And it looks like they're going to be skipping the Gotham They don't want to cut back for the Gotham Number 16, Scabbard He's pointing to the Risen Star Number 17, Wrecking Crew Has no recent works Number 18, Ajaweed Sam F. Davis coming up next Should be one of the top contenders behind Independence Hall Finnick the Fierce Pointing to the Risen Star next And... Then Greenlight Go, who was third in the Swale, we do not know any plans for him coming up. Governor Morris will be pointing to the Southwest. He's number 22 on the list with High Velocity, who was third in the Robert Lewis. Doesn't he kind of feel like one of the Baffert horses that they maybe send to Sunland? Just total speculation. He just kind of feels like a, a horse who has speed, and maybe they send out there. Answer in the pointing towards the Southwest. On February the 17th American Theorem Back on the work tab Pointing to the San Felipe On March the 7th Silver State Pointing to the Risen Star next Three Technique Number 27 on the list Pointing to the Rebel On March the 14th Azul Coast We mentioned him once uh, earlier When we talked about the San Vicente Probables Royal Act Pointing to the San Felipe Going to give that one another shot on the dirt And Ete Indian not quite sure Fountain of Youth would make the most sense for that one So it's basically your top 30 Three-year-olds right now on the Kentucky Derby points list Let's uh, let's go through some of the probables for the upcoming races So Sam F. Davis, February the 8th Worth 10 points to the winner, 4 to 2nd, 2 to 3rd, and 1 to 4th Independence Hall, Aja Weed, Albert Park Chopaloo, No Getting Over Me, Soul of Valente, Super John, and Premier Star. Some probables for that one. February 9th, the San Vicente. No points on the line in this race. Storm the Court, Azul Coast, Party Town, and Ginobili look to be lining up among others. The El Camino Real Derby on February the 15th is worth. 10 points to the winner, 4 to 2nd, 2 to 3rd, and 1 to 4th. A Journey to Freedom is, is the only one I could find that was a for sure pointing to that race. Because uh, one of the horses they were expecting to be in that race was a new door who will be in the Risen Star. It looks like uh, that's going to be a big one, and that a big field, and it's the first big points race worth 50 to the winner, 20 to the runner-up, 10 to the 3rd place finisher, and 5 to the 4th place finisher. Some of the names pointing to the Risen Star, Mailman, Money, Digital, Mr. Big News, Blackberry Wine, A New Door, Enforceable, Silver State, Mr. Monomoy, Finnick the Fierce, Scabbard, Major Fed, Lynn's Map, Farmington Road. Make that a fun-looking prep race. And then the Southwest, February the 17th, we will see the Baffert Nadal, who is very impressive breaking his maiden. The Southwest will actually be the last of the 10 
point prep races with uh, 10 to the winner, 4 to the runner-up, 2 to the 3rd place finisher, and 1 to the 4th place finisher. Nadal, Villainous, uh, Wells Bayou, Governor Morris, Silver Prospector, Shoplifted, Gold Street, and Answer In look to be horses pointing to Southwest on February the 17th. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. We will be back in just a few days with uh, covering all of the stakes for the weekend, the or the, the big stakes, and we'll talk Sam Houston for Friday, Sam Houston for Saturday. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA coming up for the weekend, and we'll start getting into some college basketball. I'm going to bring on some uh, some college basketball guests soon because we've, uh, we've neglected college basketball when we've been spending so much time on the NFL. So the focus will be shifting, but the preparation will We'll still be the same. We'll always do our best, and we'll uh, we'll get on a guest if we don't know if we don't know the topic ourselves. So, thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. Make sure to subscribe, download, share it around with your friends, and uh, don't forget about that Sarah Candles Valentine's Day box, just twenty bucks. Joey, take it away.